creative director. Is that is that too? No, that's it. Okay, that's, that's perfect. title. Yes, yeah. ridiculous. Let's just be honest. The first controversy. We're, we're calling people directors uh, okay. and creative. Let's let's just be honest. Isn't your whole church supposed to be creative? Isn't that the whole premise? Yeah, of the but village? we don't have any creative directors. Aren't you the creative director? No. I'm just an old school pastor. <laughs> just straight up clerical collars and, <laughs> and suits. No, my clerical collars are bandanas. If you wear the and bandana, shells. And shells, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show up to your church in a bandana. We did have bandana day. Really? Because it was church was uh, on uh, April 19th, which is my birthday. Oh. So we called it Bandana Day, and everybody wore a bandana. And it was hilarious. All the little kids with bandanas. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to wear And then bandana. we had a whole stack of them that we gave out to visitors, so that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what 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 would happen on my birthday if everybody were to dress themed. I don't know. Beard Day. Beard Day? Women well, with beards. sorry, women. Can't come. <laughs> well, you just hand out, like, fake beards to tape onto your face. <laughs> maybe okay. plaid button-downs? Plaid button-downs. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, plaid button-downs. Wear your vans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll post a picture of our cars on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody, everybody bring pictures of all the cars you have around. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, okay. It's possible. So, uh, it's we, uh, by the way, have... 46 listeners this week. What? What? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. This and our very world. first podcast has Stop a whole it. 57 listens. Man. Oh, man. And Japan. And that was the worst one. Is moving it. <laughs> like, they, they are listening to us, and I may have gotten a clue as to a few of our listeners. In Japan? In Japan. So I was talking to one of the people at our church, uh-huh. and he was saying, oh, yeah, I'm corresponding with a friend of mine, you know, and this guy actually led him to Christ, and they were talking about life. Okay. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's in Japan. And I said, where in Japan? And he's like, Tokyo. And I'm like, oh, wow, because that's where all that's the listeners where they are. they are. So, so they're real. So they're possibly. You're really listening. They're possibly somebody in Japan that we know who who really enjoys us. Well, so hi, hello. Um, to would, would you email us faithoverbreakfast Faith at gmail dot com? Somebody email us. Yeah, tell us that you're listening in Japan. We're really is... lonely. Even if you're not in Japan, we just want some kind of stroking to just, tell us that you're listening. Just say hi. We need it. Yeah. Any sort of confirmation that you're out there. Yeah. The good thing is there's three of us here, so somebody's always listening. That's you know, true. so there's that. Right. And we're in a restaurant, so some people are listening whether they want to or not. So That's there's right. that. You know. But 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 it's good to know. Hey, folks in Japan, thanks for thanks for watching. Yeah. And yeah. thanks for listening. Yeah, the the whole watching comment is because a couple week weeks ago I said that we had viewers but I was referring to our our Facebook page, our website, or Facebook page. We have a website that's I've been working on well, that should be done next week. Hey, uh, you heard or, it here first, faithoverbreakfast.com? Uh, yes, correct. Now the, and I should say the format the will com. be done. The hope is that myself... Oh, Brian's uh, making a point. Oh, gosh. You heard the train whistle. So Listen up, people. Listen very closely. That is our that's our soundbite. I pushed the button on the computer for that one. Brian's about to make a point. Yes, whenever there's another shtick that we have that whenever we are discussing something and a train comes by, that's when I make my point. That's mm-hmm. when I make my most profound point. So what's uh, your point? That was it. Oh, I don't think it better repeat. <laughs> I don't, I don't. 
Well, I think that because we're mostly pastors, we also have to over-explain everything that we do. Uh, that's our entire life, explaining yeah. everything twice. to people twice. Twice in the introduction, twice in the conclusion, twice in the middle. Yes, and I did stand-up, and I'm always repeating jokes because I think they're the greatest jokes, and yeah. they're all terrible. This is new information on the podcast, folks. That's what the train was about. Brian Betts is a stand-up comedian. I did Can you give up. us a one line, one of your more popular jokes? I mean, I don't, everything that I say is comedy gold. I don't need to oh. say anything. No, is that the joke? Yeah, that was oh, the okay. joke. Yeah, <laughs> not funny at all. I did it for three years, and then I joined the military, so you can tell how well that went. Oh, man. But, uh, well, you'll I mean, see some humor splashed into the website. I'll okay. just say little quirks about throughout, uh, especially when you see my old website, which I'm not going to give. I'm not going to plug my own stuff. Brianbest.com? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Thank goodness. It's, it's super close. It's dot. super close, but no, that's dot not me. it. Dot me. Dot me. No. But uh, if you really want to just look at the about me's, there's a, my, po- my old podcast called See Through. Uh, there's an about me for that like about the podcast and then there's about me this long little excerpt that's like talks about me but it doesn't like it says that I'm from Kansas and I was raised by wolves actually which we oh, made, we that brought was to on- light last week yes yeah yeah. so I was raised by wolves sorry which mom and dad total sense. <laughs> so but yeah but which is why sometimes when we're eating breakfast, we look over and you just got a piece of meat that you're just ripping to shreds with your with your teeth born. I know. Yeah. I keep like about to pay, take a bite too. Yeah. And then you ask me a question, I'm like, oh, okay. And I, I, I thought put, I was the host, but thanks. Yeah. I put the sound shield <laughs> in front of the microphone. That's right. Just, just to downplay the, the ravenous sounds. Yes. Thank anyway. you for doing that. I really appreciate oh, it. It welcome. makes me sound civil. Yeah. We have a lot of gear here. Um, it's, it's intense, the amount of gear we have. Yeah, a microphone. We're very professional, but one of the things that we were discussing, or one of the ideas that I had, since we were going to have Mike on the show, the creative director at Mission, and a mutual friend of ours, was going to be uh, creativity in the church and its place in it, and Mm -hmm. why it's really necessary. But since Mike is not going to be here, he's going to be here late, and that's my fault. We were well, actually, it's not my fault. We had planned to meet at nine, just had to some personal discussion not to actually be in the podcast because we had a different one but it was pushed back there's faults all around yes, I, I was I, I who am always late actually told you all I was going to be late and then I was earlier than I said I was going to be I noticed really that. you cool. were the first one here and and I think we're going to have to reschedule this to be at 8.30 now that school has started and children yeah. are so all of our radio listeners, priority. all our radio listeners, tune in at 8.30, <laughs> 830. not 7.30. Yeah. Yeah. The ones who are watching. Set your timers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, um, so but he's I, going to be joining the conversation later. And the reason why we're going to be pushing that conversation back is because there are definitely some valuable voices that I'd love to hear from uh, Pastor Exipin's Church of the Village as well. So yes. it's not just run by uh, village, uh, from mission people. Sorry. Yeah. So oh, hopefully I'm, we can I'm not continue that anyway. So. Well, we can talk about creativity a little bit, and then we'll have some places for uh, Mike to to kind of chime in on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I wasn't sure. You had mentioned some things that you want to talk about today. And I have a question. And okay, yes, go for it. I want to know, okay, this is something I've, I've been thinking about. Do you have any good friends of yours that are pastors? Mm-hmm. This is where we find out what our relationship's all about right now. No. Do you have any... 
like where it's like this is my best friend or where yeah, where do you find like a best friend as a pastor is it within your church or outside well I think at some level that's a completely unfair question to me because <laughs> my church is actually a very different church and so well that's kind of why I'm interested in it though. yeah so no I don't have any best friends outside of my church who are pastors yeah because A I don't really believe in best friends because I, I think okay let's that's very, let's, let's okay close friends close friends okay. yes like uh, I do I so yes, most of my close friends who are who are in ministry with me, and this has become a life thing. They yeah. live across the street from me. Michael, who was going to be here this week, who's um, a philosopher, our lives are committed. Yeah, you know, my, another friend of mine uh, named Russ, who is a professor at the U of A. If I were to pick up and move to Seattle, he would pick up to move to Seattle. Like we've committed our lives together. Um, and more, in some ways, he's committed his life to the mission that, that I'm doing. So, um, yeah, I have those kinds of friends in my community. So it's um, so I don't have friends outside. In fact, I would say, Andy, that you are probably the closest thing I have to a close friend. That's to use close as much as possible. <laughs> CFF. Yes, you're my CFF. <laughs> um, you know, outside. And, and it's interesting because one of the things I want to talk about is... I sat with somebody at our church who just came to visit who was talking about how integrated the pastors are um, here in Tucson and how well they're connected to each other. And she wasn't the pastor, and she was attributing this all to Fort Tucson, uh-huh. of which I'm not involved in at all. And I've gone to a couple things. And I actually feel relatively disconnected from the community right. and feel like the community is relatively fractured unless you're conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... This, I didn't this conversation began just before we actually started recording on uh, how Eric, at one point, was considered too conservative for a group of people. I, I don't want to go into that. No, I just want to make that point. Yeah, no, that yeah, because yeah. that's that's surprising. Yeah, it was, and it's not that I'm hugely liberal. Unless you go listen to the last podcast on war, and you might. Uh, Man, yeah, that what? was good. I enjoyed it. I listened to it again. It was fun. It was good. Yeah. Which, which means that probably, in general, the things we should talk talk about around this table on the podcast might be the ones we don't want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I would agree. Which I don't even like saying that, because I know what you're going to make me talk about. What is that? I don't know. Oh. Oh, we're going to get into them. We're going to get into gender. Oh, yeah, let's on. do that. Gender's fun. It's we're just three everybody. men right here talking about gender. Right. Perfect. What a concoction. That's a perfect... And white males. Three white, white, three white males are going to... This is there's this is not fraught with uh, with issues. You know, the interesting is to uh, talk about gender and have my daughter and some of her friends come mm-hmm. talk who are you know who attend city and city's got a, a, a lot of this uh, is a school yeah this city a, high yeah. school um, and and it is a very welcoming mm-hmm. community and so if you're struggling with your gender it's the high school you go to right um, and so. Yeah, it'd be interesting as to hear them talk from a Christian perspective on how they walk in that world and and their ideas and thoughts on gender. Yeah, it'd be fascinating because I actually am sometimes very awkward feeling listening to my daughter talk about yeah. her theology and ideas of gender. So yeah, no, I'll I'll go there with you. I will. You went you went there with war, mm. but 
but it's just man it's like this is just such a hot button hot button thing but it's probably good to talk about hot button things now the reason though I wanted to bring up friends was because I was thinking that yeah I don't know I mean, we've got our listeners in Japan yeah we I don't know who I, I suppose some folks from our church churches are listening and then you know some people from our extended communities I've, I've cop you know people have said hey I listen to your your show from California or Virginia or wherever they are that friends of ours right and that's great and that's cool and that's the way it starts um, but I'm assuming that either now or at some point some fellow pastors will listen in yeah and I think our churches are different and they're different from my church mission church Brian and I go your church the village um, are different from each other but they're also they really stand out as like different from just most of the churches in our city and then Tucson's a really unique city where I think a lot of the churches that survive here stand out. I, mean, I went to a very, as part of a, a larger conservative denomination church, and in the denomination, they thought that church was really different, you know. Hmm. Um, even though to me it didn't feel that way at all, hmm. but but because here we are in the Southwest in Tucson, and churches that run just like they do in the South or or up in you know Michigan or whatever, they just don't work here. They, right. They, I mean, I would venture to say they just plain. They, they really struggle. The, only, the people that connect are people who don't connect to Tucson but happen to be here. Right. We are yeah. transplants who've lived transplants. a long time in other, other, other places. Yeah. And they're looking for that experience. But anyway, so I would assume people would listen in. And I think a huge issue is just pastor having friends. Like I've, I've just heard this. I've heard it a lot. So I'm, I'm wondering what would we suggest or what's our experience you know, that we could share with, with, mm. with these other guys out here, you know, um, yeah, people in pastoral, I mean, ministry, leadership, men and women, I don't know, like, it's, there are people who, who are leading things who yeah. don't have, it's hard to have friendships. So yeah. how do you, in your church, yeah. how have you cultivated that? How have you made it to where you... The, the your life's work is done with friends. Yeah. Well, I, I think there are two things. I have been around a lot of pastors, and my experience is that pastors are so stuck, not for because they've chosen this, but because it's the profession on success, and not in them trying to succeed, but being told that what they're doing is not successful. Yeah. And that what we get told very often is that if you have 30 people, you're trying to get those 30 people to grow to 40 people, mm-hmm. and you need to baptize some people. Yeah. And we all have these matrix for healthy churches, and we hold up the superstar pastors. And so we're, we're not encouraged to be with each other. We're encouraged as pastors to be in competition with each other. So oh, here comes the noise. Creative directors bring the noise. They do. But we, uh, okay, so you're saying pastors. Right. So there's this this, this set of, of competition. And so, like, I want my people to stay with me. And, and, and so we have these little tiny things that we're protecting because we're told that we're not successful. Right. Unless there's these 
set of things. So it's difficult to be friends with each other in that sense. That's yeah. the first thing. Because the people are, would you say, like, they're projects? And so if people are projects, it's hard to be friends? It is. is and and also it's just constantly counting how many people were there. What, you know, how many people came to your small group? How many people came to your church service? You know, how many people did you baptize? My fascinating thing, I was like, how many people did this mega church baptize? Okay, they baptized 300 people, and they have 10,000 people. Yeah, I've well, never even seen that many people in my life. If your little church of 80 baptized one person a year, right. you multiply that up, and you're going to beat the mega church. Yeah, right, sure. And the, if you're just competing. But to say we baptized one person this year, that sounds kind of lame compared to 300 and so there's that and we're all in our culture we're into big so it's hard to be friends it's hard to like just walk alongside each other and encourage each other and hope that you know God is doing good things in Mission Church and I want to know what it is and I want to celebrate it and if people in my church fit better in your church or they're wrestling than we or in a place of exchange in the sense of I want God to be glorified in their life it's not about the it's not about the people in the sense of numbers. It's about right. the people in the sense of who they are and where they are with Jesus. Yeah. Then I can be your friend. I'm not in competition with you. I am cheering for you, and we can kind of struggle together. Yeah. So anyway, that, that would be okay. one of the reasons. The other thing is I think pastors are, it's a vocation. My experience is you go to seminary mm-hmm. and you get a job and you're looking for a plan. Like you, you yeah. need a retirement plan and a health plan and and a salary and, and a salary and this which is, can I just say is it's just so weird. It's just weird to get paid. No, not not to get paid, but to think like. I mean, when I'm, I mean, take that thought, take take that thought right there, and like. Try inserting it into an epistle of Paul, just for fun. Like add a chapter where it it I'm gonna have to take this yeah where it where it just like says that you have to have to look for the right health plan and you have to look for the right salary and and here's what you do like Paul to Timothy. It just it's weird. Yeah, it just doesn't seem to make sense to me. Well, in true breakfast fashion, Eric has walked away from the discussion. He had to take a phone call. But we have uh, Mike. We have Mike Almaroth here. And uh, how's it going? Hey, good man. Great to see you. I'm glad you're here. Mike's, Mike's uh, creative director, as we mentioned, at our church at Mission Church. And uh, yeah, he's he's coming. He's he came to hang out with Brian. We delayed the podcast, so here he is. Guess what? You're on. Yeah. You're on the air, man. <laughs> it's uh, the unwitting guest. The unwitting. Unaware guest of Faith Over Breakfast. Yeah. But, uh, hey, same question right at you. So we, back when we started our church, Mission Church, we were a merger of two churches. And one of the cool things about about Epicenter, the church you were part of, is that you and Nick were really good friends. So, like, doing ministry with each other as, as friends, you guys weren't, it wasn't as much of a co-worker. I mean, you were. You were co-workers. But how important was that to to the church and to the journey? And what was beautiful and hard about that? Yeah. Well, so we never even met until it was... Uh, until, basically, we were both um, kind of united by, this, by Epicenter. Yeah. But, yeah, we... 
we also, at the same time as growing in work relationship, we're growing a friend relationship, and I think uh, if that's at all possible, pastors need to do that kind of thing because you're leading a group of people um, and you're trying to tell them how to have relationships. Right. And you're showing a relationship every week in front of them whether you're trying to show something or not. Uh, And people see the way people in leadership and and, um, pastors and worship leaders how they interact uh, and even if it's just little subtle things here and there uh, it makes a difference plus in ministry there's a lot of hard uh, hard and and sensitive things you've got to be able to approach with each other yeah Um, and if you don't feel like you have the depth of relationship to go there easily uh, that just sets the trap for all kinds of all kinds of issues that can be cut off at the head but if you don't they're, they're the reason you know pastors end up going different directions right um, like we've seen with churches here so recently. many times yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine because um, I don't know if I've shared on this podcast, but I've shared at our church before. That for me, like, you hear that? You hear that sound effect? That's me interrupting to share my very profound points. Brian has a point. That's yes. what that sound effect. Brian, what's your point? I'm sorry. I, I was. I thought I was going to make a point. But well, I, I just did, I, and you missed it because uh, the, the train was in the way. So. Oh man. Yeah, unfortunately, that that's what happens when the train comes by. I, it's if I feel like God is stirring in me something to say, and then the train comes by as soon as I say it, and then we continue right back in the conversation. So what were you saying? Oh, okay. okay. About that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, I it's important. that's I, understandable. I mean, the sound effect button was hit. What do you do? <laughs> so um, I think it's been it's been so important. So some of the some of the hardest stuff that like my wife and I have faced, or that I deal with personally. Like, I have shared it with people in the church, leaders in the church, who could very well, like, take me out. Like, they're the people that have, like, enough influence in the church that they could be like, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be the pastor here, you know? Like, they could do that. And that, I just imagine that, like, because I felt, I felt in those moments, like, a certain amount of fear and uncertainty, but I also knew I was really loved by these people and that they were going to be for me and with me. And so I can't imagine being in the scenario of not having that, of, like, thinking that I had to go to, like, a board of directors or an elder board, and they weren't my friends, and where, like, they would just look at me more as a liability or a staff member that they would keep or fire, depending on what was expedient. Yeah, just, like, you're going to get in the way of ministry because you stink versus going to people who I know like love me and like want to see me healed and see me walk with Jesus so like they view me as a pastor as investing in their spiritual walk but they view themselves as investing in mine like it's it's it goes both ways I just can't imagine and so I guess like we kind of before you got here Mike we were saying you know a few other people in ministry listen to this at the moment and maybe more would down the road and we just kind of wanted to work out this idea. Like, Eric's whole... His church is his friend group. Like, that's 
that's his close-knit community. I would say that's very much true for me. I do have one one of my best friends that doesn't go to the church, and there is something really nice about that because mm-hmm. I can be... There's never a sense like I need to talk about church stuff with him. I, we just sit down and just talk about whatever. And that's that's nice. And I would maybe suggest having that sometimes, um, at least from my perspective. But, um, but I just similarly like man if you're not friends if your people at your church aren't your friends and if your leaders aren't your friends like pay attention to that I mean or cultivate those friendships or talk to them and say hey look like maybe I took this as a profession um, and not because I love you guys what do we do um, and what do you do you know <laughs> as, as leaders because you, you hired a guy you don't even like um, I mean have that conversation because it, it should be like this should be the depth of friendship within your church should be ever increasing I would say so the interesting thing about uh, you know you said bringing your uh, bringing these really tough issues these struggles to your co-leaders to the people who kind of have the power to really do something about it Uh, it I think just in the church in general, uh, one of the things people struggle with the most is, hey, I see my friend really struggling with this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how I can bring it up to them. I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything. Uh, and so leading by example in that way is huge because you can sit, you can show it. Yeah. You can show, hey, when we when we are in these situations this is what happens yeah and sometimes there are consequences sometimes you know some <laughs> that entering into conflict entering into tension uh, isn't always easy and most of the time it's not but it's right. always for the better of person who is being approached it's always for the betterment of the people around that person who are being affected by <laughs> their yeah. actions yeah and it always leads back to redemption, and that's what we're about. We're about the gospel, and God's about redemption in His story, which is our story as well. Yeah, yeah. I think a, a piece that you know, there's there are the scriptures like Paul saying, "Follow me as I follow Christ," and Jesus saying, "Take up your cross every day and follow after me." And I think what often happens with people in ministry is you get this feeling. And sometimes from yourself, and sometimes it's just a cultural assumption, and sometimes from the people in your church, and sometimes your elders tell you, okay? Like, that can all happen. But you get this assumption that what that means is, like, live right. Like, get it right. Do the right thing. Um, Be a good example, you know? Um, And that, I don't want to minimize that that's part of it, but it, it seems to me that, like, all of those ideas, like following Christ, taking up your cross, I mean, that's like essentially like laying down things that matter to you allowing yourself to be seen as wrong um, needing forgiveness and grace and if like I think most pastors are pretty aware that the people in their church need mercy and grace right like that's what they need so what do they need to learn from you they need to learn how to receive mercy and grace not how to live a perfect life because they aren't living perfect lives and you aren't either so you actually don't know how to do it and so when you're acting like you are you're not teaching them anything you're not showing them how to follow Jesus 
<laughs> follow me as I follow Christ is like, look at me, repent. Look at me, confess my sin. And come with me. Uh, I don't know, that, that seems important to me. And you've had good, you've had some good leaders, Brian, over the years. Like, have you ever experienced, like, receiving leadership like that and the difference between that versus leadership that tries to be fine? Uh, so, receiving opportunities to be a leader? Or, like, having a leader that has led from their weakness and repentance. And yeah. Um, my my most recent discipler uh, was a guy, Ch- Chaplain Myers, and he went to, he's in Korea now, but he was someone who definitely did that. And I, I came to him uh, right well, the first time I got to Tucson. The first thing I looked for was... Uh, a new mentor, a new discipler, and he was the chaplain, and he like has counseling experience, and he also led Sundays at the chapel. And I went to him all the time, and he uh, talked to him about my parents' divorce and uh, all sorts of stuff yeah. like that. And he was very transparent about. Uh, stuff he went through uh, in his dating relationship with his wife uh, and then uh, everything revolving around that and his mistakes as being an airman because uh, chaplains are officers but yeah. he was actually enlisted in maintenance as well and I was constantly failing on the maintenance side of things because I was new to the Air Force I was new to being an aircraft mechanic I was a writer by trade and being an aircraft mechanic was so out of my wheelhouse yeah. under my standing. So, in terms of practical, like practical things, not related to scripture, there's he was there to help me alongside uh, and walk me through that. And then also, and more importantly, to talk about the areas where I was failing and the areas where he failed was incredible encouragement to me. And I, I spent time in Alabama for a few years, and I've I actually had some, even though I. I had a very difficult and frustrating time in Alabama. I had some opportunity to see some good uh, pastors there, and also a lot of pastors that were just uh, missing the mark and not being transparent. And uh, and that that's so, such a difficult job to, to be like, well, this pastor is terrible. I couldn't. I I don't think I could do that. Just other other than hope that hope and pray that they get to a place where they can start being vulnerable and being transparent about where they're messing up and I feel like when you get to that point we talked about vulnerability it was a second podcast um, and it increases your effectiveness as a leader but um, just as a person you benefit it from it so much can I say I think that's probably one of the most important things that a pastor can do especially when you consider the millennial generation and the and Generation Z coming after them, that's something that is like almost a, a well. I mean, I think as a Christian, it's something that should, should be a must. Yeah. In yeah. general, because uh, like the first the first tenet of the gospel really is like, hey, everyone has sinned. Everyone does sin. Everyone is in need of the good news, right? Yeah. So. In, especially for generations that have grown up 
always being advertised to, always being coerced into things. Um, they can spot a facade a mile away. You know, it's yeah. Yeah. it's very uh, it, it's something that'll turn them off right away. And by no means do I think like you know people need to be catered to in order to follow the gospel, but. In some ways, your job as a leader is to speak the language that your people can understand. And that's just something that, you know, your personality that needs to be developed if it's not there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, but, but honestly, that's, that's a place that I see so many um, ministries just lose young people. Uh, is, you know, even just... Even just personifying that in your in your service yeah keeping everything upbeat saying the right words at the right time being positive and encouraging <laughs> uh it's just nice yeah dig there yeah there's a it, lot yeah, yeah you, you just see you just see the facade a mile away and it turns you off instantly because you're like wow they're hiding something right they're trying to sell me something and it's they, they don't actually believe it because they're afraid they're hiding what do they have to offer me? So if there's anybody, if I could if I could do a little summary of what you just said. So there's there are a lot of people wondering how do we reach the younger generations like at, through faith, right? And it seems like a lot of the methods out there that are promoted are make things that are flashy and cool, get up to their standards, like do things that are as done as well as what they see on television. And what we're saying right now is false <laughs> they're being advertised to you all day long like you need to do something that's like be be honest like be different like actually tell the truth about yourself and your flaws and why you need Jesus and that is what people are longing for is like that 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 honest real something that stands out from everything that you can yeah. consume in your smartphone or the whatever. less caveats the better the less you <laughs> the less you try to say well you know what I'm just a sinner just like all you guys <laughs> and I I need just as much grace but you know God is good yeah no Some, I, hey pastor you need to tell your church hey uh, so I regularly uh, get really mad with my family yeah. like you know like you were quoting John Piper this last week yeah uh, I regularly question whether I should even be up here on stage because I know my own sin. I regularly um, am aware that this is an extremely high calling and that I'm regularly disqualifying myself if just, if just in my thought life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and just no buts. <laughs> like, that's the truth. Like, God is good. God loves me. Yeah. That's why I'm... That's how I... What I have to offer is is the God that makes me whole, not myself. Yeah, yeah, and no, I definitely think that uh, though we're not all experts on any of this, these are two churches. Mine's like 16 years old, and still the average age is under 30, and right. your guys is even younger than that. Right. And part of the reason I think that the things that we share in common is that there's a strong authenticity built into the structures about who we are and what the reality of sin is and, and that we're all kind of under that and the other issue is I think people are like we're all mentally ill and 
And we need to be able to put that out there that there's some crazy going on in leaders our head. especially. Yes. Yeah. No, leaders especially. We need to be, it's not just the people sitting out there or people uh, we're doing Bible studies with. No, it, I am a little crazy that there's obsessive thinking, that I struggle with these things on a regular basis. And, and I'm trying to figure out how to access the grace of God just like everybody else is. I'm not, I don't have the answers. I just, and I'm, I'm in this journey with everyone. Can I, can I just throw out a thing that I've heard from several several pastors that I could just never hear again? Just, just okay. Yeah, so I've heard this, and it's a little trite, but it's talking about the people of the church and just saying, well, you know, sheep will be sheep, or something like, <laughs> I mean, I've heard this. Yeah, I have heard yeah. this um, lately. And, uh, and this idea that, like, these people are just so hard to lead, right? Like they're stubborn and they're messy. Okay, like can we just can we just all say like here on this pot and, and encourage the rest of you out there, Pastor, you're a sheep. You like, are the sheep. You're a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a chief shepherd, okay? Because you're a sheep, <laughs> and uh, and you're you're not doing better um, than they are. And if you ask your wife. Ask your friends. Let the church ask your wife. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, because like, yeah, good good luck leading people when you're standing up on a soapbox, looking down at them, going, oh, "Look at all your problems, right?" Man. Anyway, say so, hey, rant over. I wonder how much of that though is connected to insecurity. Oh yeah. You know because oh, yeah. uh, because people who lead from a position like that. Their their value has been, has come from their ability to do things at a high level, right? But there's also this innate knowledge that I I need to keep trying so hard because I I know I can't keep that up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, what a great opportunity to show like, hey, in your deepest insecurity, you can face it and be okay, and actually, it's better. Yeah. There's more freedom. And then, and guess what? All those insecure people in your church are going to go, oh, hold on. My pastor can relate for the first time. And that's a beautiful thing. And that, and that brings to light just this whole thing, which I think is one of, it's one of my least favorite things about what happens culturally in churches. And one of the things I think holds us back from truly being able to live out the gospel together. And that's this hi- the hierarchy of holiness. Mm. Not that people aren't in leadership aren't called to a higher standard but that there's this idea that the ones who are leading have somehow been approved yeah. by their righteousness and that mm. they've been like because they are able to be more holy they are able to be leaders right. and actually it's usually the opposite nah. yeah. I mean, that if God's choice of leaders throughout the Bible is any indication it's, it's not it's not that they were the people that were approved you know and I, yeah. and you you guys have all heard that quote probably God doesn't uh, qual God doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the call yeah. but I'd say like that's not even true he doesn't qualify you he like calls you and he's like hey you're uh, you're still not qualified but I'm qualified yeah you're right? gonna, yeah you're gonna walk with me like yeah I know it's pick pick a biblical hero Moses yeah okay like does God say like okay I'm gonna fix your speech impediment so you can lead nope 
doesn't do it. He goes, you're going to lead with your speech impediment, actually. You're still not qualified. Yeah. And And even, like, starting out all the way to the end, he still struggled with anger. Oh, yeah. To the very, very end. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then at the very end, like, I don't know, I read read a really interesting take on it, but, you know, Moses isn't, he doesn't get to go to the promised land, right? So he doesn't get to finish the journey, but he dies with God on the top of the mountain. And the idea is, like, wait a second, like, which is more beautiful? To, like, win and, like, get your people there and be the hero or to be with God as as you pass from this life in, into eternity? And, like, we tend to read that and just be like, oh, man, God, like, you know, took it took away the prize. And, and the kind of the read on that that I, that I heard that I thought was really helpful is, like, no, actually, like, that wasn't the real prize. Like, the prize is, is being with God. You know, and so in all of his flaws and failures and the awareness of that, he dies in the presence of the Lord. That's that's kind of a cool thing, you know? And and the people didn't see him as the absolute hero, which was the best thing for them, yeah, actually, because yeah. then they hoped in a in the hero who was to come, Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think just dismantling that whole idea is better for everybody. Not yeah. not like Not like that... God hasn't called people to, to leadership. That's, I mean, I think that needs to be protected. Yeah. God does, and, and it's often not a blessing. Oh, <laughs> it's stinking hard. It's a, yeah. it's a call to servanthood. <laughs> it's a call to sacrifice. But yeah. um, if pe- if people of the church can, can view their leadership less as this social hierarchy of, yeah. of holiness, um, then they can also give more grace when leaders fail or, yeah. or see a leader as a person that's kind of saying I'm going to live my life in front of all of you purposefully because God has called me yeah. here yeah. and for the leaders that gives you more incentive to, to be transparent to be vulnerable because that's what you're being called to do you're being called to be just the sheep that everybody looks at yeah. <laughs> to yeah. say this is how I let God break my pride and break my wandering and that's the only way I come back and actually follow him that's and that's what makes pastors hide so much right when they have sin that makes them hide and then the sin comes out and well now it's gotten so far that they're actually disqualified for leadership and they're never going to have the respect of the people again because it was hidden for so long it would have been way better if I mean we could name off pastors that have fallen right but it, it pick any one of them if they would have two years ago kind of got mm-hmm. up in front of everybody and said I have a really hard time with my temper or sometimes I drink too much mm-hmm. like it all would have gone so much better mm-hmm. right yeah. like they would have somebody like it would have been hard sure like and they would have had to have faced it and walked with people but I'll bet you the people would have respected them and applied what they did to their own lives, mm-hmm. you know, versus it all having to explode one day. And yeah, it, it kind of takes the pressure off of people. Yeah, the people at your church as well to have to hold up to that standard. That there's an illusion that it's being kept. Yeah, right. It takes that away. It says like, hey, this is what we do when we're struggling with things. Yeah, and that's the only way things get better. And it actually leads to more following Jesus yeah I, I do think though like one of the things that pastors struggle with and I would say worship leaders and all that is that 
there is a culture of celebrity, and to be in front of somebody, no matter who you are, you have to have some kind of ego. You have to like it. And even it, and, and so it's a temptation to be there and to have people respect you and want to know what you think and, and admire you. And so you can get caught up in that position, too, of just, oh, like, I'm important. And it begins to shape, like, your thinking. I, mean, I, don't, I don't have that personally, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I will confess that I do. And, and there is a, you know, and the more you work on your craft... And the more you see that you can shape your craft yeah. in a way that it impacts people, it, it becomes like, wow, no, I like I actually know something. And, and the humility gets put on the back burner. And I, and I think that, you know, that's the other thing. And that's and I think our people like celebrity. So we have, and, and I'm not going to throw these people under the bus, but we have the Driscolls, the Pipers, the, we have these people that we almost worship right. because of their charisma and their I mean, we have to be careful. Oh yeah, to dismantle that in ourselves mm-hmm. and and to dismantle it publicly. Yeah, yeah, not just like, oh, I'm going to work on this privately about not being proud. No, we need to like have this yeah. up front. That was yeah. probably the biggest thing that actually was the downfall of Driscoll, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he comes to mind as somebody who, if he a long time ago had put out there his real his issues. Yeah. Like, I think that church would still be checking along. Well, I think he, he, and he even would do that with certain things, I think. Yeah. Because I would listen to some of his stuff back in the day, but, but there was one area where it was just. That one was. Yeah. And it was the one he didn't see. Other people saw it, but he didn't, right? And so that's the hard part is like, it also involves listening and receiving it from somebody else, not just yourself. Giving. Like, I think when you ask, like, well, how friendship within community, how did it work? Well, when I first started the village, there was a guy named Doug Padgett who said, in order to have humility, you must give power to the weakest in your community. And I think that's something that the village has done well, and that is to allow people who are the weakest to have strong voices into the lives of the people who are leading. But they're not just there to be, but that they actually bring truth into people's lives. And, and question their walk just as much as we question theirs, and I think that's that allows. I mean, it's it's powerful to have somebody who's wrestling with their own demons to say, "Oh, look, I see your demons too, and yeah. I'm concerned about them." Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I think that's you know that's a powerful experience. Mm. Yeah, I want to throw one more thing in the middle of the table, really, for Eric and Mike. Uh oh. Just real quick, so. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah. So, Brian, you and I... Go ahead, host we can, Pastor Andy. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. Don't, don't so, this the, is be and this could be a follow-up podcast someday, but the tension between creativity and excellence, mm-hmm. where do you draw the line? Mike, Eric, do battle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's unfair because... Mike's context is different than my context. And I'm also really creative, too. I just wanted to point out that you keep complaining about how things are unfair on this podcast. I know. Yeah, Yeah, because life is very fair. Life's always fair. I think for me personally and for our community, it is... uh, We are more a folk art community. And in folk art, 
you know, we have a, a statement in our community that says, you know, we are unhindered by quality control. That does not mean that we put, try to put, you know, crap up because we're all lazy. Right. But, but the issue is we're driven to, to help people create a culture of art, which means that often our professional artists cringe. <laughs> And it's really good for them. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had a lot of discipleship time with the ones who do it for a living to help them make those transitions. Yeah. I do believe that every context is is different. But I do also think that our Christian culture lacks creativity in general. Yeah. And so I think churches like Mission, people like Mike, we're doing, we're working on a critique of our culture, and, and maybe a hundred years from now, what what we're doing will be felt and understood, but not right now, I don't think. So that would be my... Yeah. That wasn't nearly as agitating as I was hoping, Eric. <laughs> well, I think, we're, I think we have the same frustration, and we're, we're, t- we're taking it on in different ways. Yeah. So... Um, as because I'm the creative director, I'm in a, I'm in a position of authority. That that gives me a little bit uh, more of the ability to take it as a creative, as a, somebody who holds um, excellence highly. And obviously, as with anything else, you the, the method is almost never the important part. It's why you're doing it. Yeah. And so it's amazing that people at Village are encouraged to to explore their creativity and to learn how to express it. Um, that's something that's really needed because the Christian media doesn't show you how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's also what I'm frustrated with. So the way we go about it is we say, well, we're going to do the best creative job that we all can. And we're going to show you that yeah it is important to to, to to take the talents you've been given and to do to, to be a good steward of it um, also both of our approaches probably stem from both of our wounds as well <laughs> right yeah so oh, yeah. so you know it might I regularly have to check myself and make sure like I'm not putting excellence above like the glory of God for yeah. example yeah. Yeah. making sure I'm not I'm not calling to attention the talents of the people in the band but the glory of God make sure I'm pointing that all upwards yeah. or outwards or however you want to call it yeah. there is yeah. no up in the universe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what is up from a global perspective yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, imagery. <laughs> well, and I, I think that like a lot of like for us, you know, our church started in a place where people like I was in churches where I could not bring my friends because simply because of the music, and it wasn't because of the excellence. Actually, the music was pretty amazing in the sense of excellence, but it did not, in its tone and in its sound and in its words, speak to them at all. It didn't speak to my community, which were, at that time, Gen Xers who were in their 20s and had never been to church. So the whole thing's confusing. What they were used to was a bar. Right. And, and, you know, my mom forever has joked, like, oh, going to the village is just like going to a bar. It is bar music. I mean, that's, it, it's not, like, highly orchestrated. It's, it's relatively loud. And it kind of has that sense of, like, you know. And the... And the- 
players may or may not be sober. Yes, at our church they are sober, so oh, we're okay. that in. <laughs> and, and we do a lot of, like a lot of the musicians in the beginning, you know, had to learn their instruments. They're more, it's like more monkey-esque, you know, and the things that I like as a musician, as my wife likes, we're talking, you know, late 70s, Ramon-style music, so it's a different world. And that works with the people that we were reaching. And so that was key for us, is to have music to try to express that. The other thing is, it was a very, uh, like, lyrically, like, Bible-ignorant yeah. kind of... They never even opened a Bible. So it's very scripture-directed music because we want people to hold on to truths that... Because that, they're not opening their Bible. They don't even know anything about the Bible. And so it's partly kind of beginning to work those things in. So it's mostly it was out of a mission thing and knowing that, like, what was being played in the early... or the mid-'90s and late-'90s in churches... It's not going to work. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Even in the contemporary world. And yeah. So, yeah. That was kind of, that's where we came out of in our yeah. space. All right. I want to close on one more thing. I want to bring over Amy from Exo Coffee. Amy, come here. Come here. <laughs> so, this is the first time that we've been doing this podcast where our friend Amy from EXO is actually right here. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah right just sit right here. There we go. So, so Amy, your business is beautiful. Thank you and very much. And we love much. it. Thank and, you. And the food is so good. And Thank we you. love what you do. So we just have, I guess, two questions for you. Mm-hmm. One would be, what's, what what's kind of your dream that made you want to have EXO Coffee here in this city? What's, what mm-hmm. did you want to see happen in this place? Hmm. Well, I think for my husband and I, we were just wanting a place that brought community together and a place that made people feel really comfortable to come together and for all the different organizations and groups and communities and sub-communities of people to be in a place where they can talk and converse. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of sounds basic, but it... It's actually, I don't, it's, you have to create certain things to make that happen. And I think we're blessed that those things happened, you know, Oh yeah. synergy. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, I mean, you've been so good. To, we've had church gatherings here. We've rented the space. It's been such a great place for that. And there's just so many, I know, like as far as my business goes and craftsmanship, like we're talking about wanting to meet here. People just want to be here. So thank you. You've thank you. You've done an awesome job. <laughs> Wouldn't happen if you guys didn't meet here. Oh, it's true. We love it. And then, so this is Faith Over Breakfast. And so a little mm-hmm. tidbit that you and I have talked about before is yeah. that your grandfather was a pastor. Is that right? So several relatives, so close great uncle on my father's side was Presbyterian pastor. Uh-huh. And then my grandfather on my mom's side was pastor. So my parents met at a Presbyterian college. Oh. So I grew up in the Presbyterian church. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, strong Presbyterian roots. Yeah, there and he. Yeah, he has a record of sermons on which, blue vinyl, which I want to hear. That, we, <laughs> that I. Yeah, we have to bring that in. Maybe we could do a podcast episode where his, where we actually do excerpts of it because oh. you could record some of it. Yeah, yeah. Like excerpt it. We would love that. <laughs> that would be amazing. That'd be, that'd be pretty his name was Malcolm. Malcolm Sweet. Malcolm even has a pastor name. Yeah, it's really. He always wore a bowler hat. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. 
Whoa. It is special. That's everything about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, my other piece of the question, I think you're kind of answering it, but, you know, so to some people, when they have, like, my grandpa was a pastor, their, their reaction to that is, like, I will never speak to a pastor again. My grandpa was a pastor, yeah, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Or, or for other people, it's like, my grandpa was a pastor, you know, and that's kind of a sweet, there's something sweet, no, I mean, yeah, yeah. not his name, <laughs> but like, there's something like, he was, he did, you know, I'm proud of him, like, he did a good job. Yeah. What impression has that left upon you? Like, kind of having that in your family, like? Well, I think yeah. for Doug, my husband, and I, both of us, for us having religious leaders in our family because he also comes from that was our first date like within 10 minutes we both had grandfathers who were pastors so it was like okay let's talk about this so I think for both of us the shared thing that we have is that we don't have any (laughs) I guess about that because you're right a lot of people have that sort of I don't know a traumatic experience with that and for us even though we're not we don't go to church. We're not like practicing. Yeah. Um, we still, it's like really important that we yeah. have that um, relationship to church in our lives. And that's yeah. something, yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's really um, something that means a lot to us, actually. Yeah. Well, cool. thank you, uh, thank yeah, you pa- Matt, Pastor Sweet, for Pastor Sweet. <laughs> you did. And, well, I got to tell you, the other pastor, uh-huh. father's side, uh-huh. is, was um, was Buckley Rude. <laughs> oh, that's true. So my maiden name is Rude, yeah. but my mother's yeah, maiden name is Sweet. Whoa. That's, I know. That, rude, yeah. that, rude and Sweet. That is mm-hmm. awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. That's still a really that's great sweet name. Up. Yeah. Buckley Rude. <laughs> Buckley that's Rude. That's Malcolm real, Sweet. Yeah. Those I mean, incredible. both great pastor names. Or gangsters, either one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or gangsters. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) Thanks, Amy. I think that's I think that's all we got time for. Brian has to close us out because he's the host. Thank you. You wouldn't know because of Andy, but the host. (laughs) No, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Thank you so much for speaking with us, Uh, and to you as well, of course, and to you as well, Mike. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, This is your host, Brian Betts. We were with. Pastor Andy Littleton and Pastor Eric Seaton. This is Faith Over Breakfast at Exo Coffee here in Exo. You gotta mix it, fix it. When you go to eat your cereal, you tricks it. Too many people trying to mix it, licks it. Well, I saw you down on the corner store. I seen you there many days before. I wondered, my, my, what the little fly boy like you doing hanging out with the goons in town? Oh, saw you by the liquor store. I asked you what you been down there for. You said I ain't got nothing to do with my time. So I'm committing petty crimes And I I walk down the streets through the city flocks And gigs, I see people walking around Beating beats, beat, diddy-dat, diddy-do And you say, what's your name? Where you come from anyway? I go to school to study education My friend, it's such a thrill, it's such a high elation you see, when I get to the top of the investigation, I'm about to let you down with the criminal interrogation. Take you into the court system. The problem is nobody ever wants to listen.